Today's episode is with Doug Williams. Doug Williams is an anti-polygraph crusader, I would say. And he has gone through a lot. He started out as a cop, conducting the polygraphs himself, until he quit. And then he has moved to, at one point, showing people how they can beat the polygraph. He has fought against it for years and even appeared before Congress and helped get a law passed that disallowed the use of polygraph in private industry. Now, Doug has suffered for his quest and actually served time in prison. I almost didn't release this interview. It's rough. It is the roughest interview I've ever done. And it made me nervous to put it out there, but I'm trying to make it a point of being open, honest, and laying it out there. So as such, I'm releasing the interview completely unedited. So any mistakes, ums, etc., they're all in there. The language is also really coarse. He's very angry and he does swear a bit. I would really like to hear back from you. Did you like the interview? What did you think of it? Do you have any feedback? And, and please, please reach out to me directly. You can email me. I'm eric at unstructuredpod.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Hunley Eric. Somebody stole my name the other way around. Please do get in touch with me. Kind of nervous about this going out there. But for now, I present to you Doug Williams. Hey, thanks for coming on, Doug. Yes, sir. Now, you've been in this polygraph game for, well, the majority of your life now, haven't you? And that's correctly named game, that is, because using the polygraph as a lie detector is the longest running con game in the history of the country. It's in, in, in this year, actually next year will be the 100th anniversary of that the invention of that insidious Orwellian instrument. And so, yeah, it's a game. It's a con game. And the only winners are the thugs and charlatans that are perpetrating this fraud. Yeah. Now, one interesting thing, I'm sure you've studied the history of the polygraph, but um, from what I understand, the guy who invented it, actually, William Marston did uh, Wonder Woman as well. Well, he actually wasn't the one that invented it. It was uh it was a doctor from uh, San Francisco back 1920. Larson was his name, John R. Larson. Oh, he was the first. He was the actual inventor of the polygraph, and he tested it as he was a scientist, and he tested it for accuracy and kept trying very hard to prove that his theory that a certain reaction indicated deception, uh, and he never could prove that. In fact, he he proved that quite the reverse was true that. This reaction didn't necessarily mean anything having to do with deception or anything else. It was simply your body dealing with a, a stressful stimulus, and so it, it, it deals with it by the fight-or-flight response. And as a result of that, he realized that his invention was, was wrong, and then they started using it as a lie detector and claiming it was a lie detector. Keeler did. It got one of his protégés. And so Larson spent the last 40 years of his life trying desperately to stop the use of the polygraph as a lie detector. You know, that's really interesting. Have you heard of Alfred Binet? No. 
Oh, he was a French um, psychologist who invented the IQ test. And he spent much of his life fighting with people on how the IQ test was going to be used. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's one of those things that the, the polygraph is so such an allurement for, for, for basically for thugs and charlatans and, and governments that want to have control over the people because it, it's a completely uh, capricious and arbitrary way of deciding whether a person is telling the truth or not. But at times, the governments and those in positions of power find that to be a very useful tool. I proved that that's exactly what they do. They, they can call in their test results, basically, uh, on 60 Minutes. And that was clear back in 1986 in, <laughs> on CBS. Clear in 1986. We yeah, did I a sting on it. Oh, um, you did? Yeah, it's actually out there on YouTube, and I think you have a link on your site to it. Oh, I got about two, two hours of video on my site, but, but I'm talking about the point I made in 1986 mm-hmm is still as valid as it was then. We brought in guys and tested this test. I did have a question about that test. There were three different polygraph, um, I don't what do you call a polygraph conductor? What are they? What's the job? Charlatans. (laughs) Okay. You brought in three charlatans. Now, were there only three brought in total? So it was three out of three, or were there others who were brought in as well that we're not sure. No, it was, it was a funny thing. I got started talking to, to uh, Gail Eisen and Diane Sawyer. They, 60 Minutes just doesn't put you on TV just because you got a good idea. You look good or none of that shit. <laughs> 60 Minutes goes to massive amount of pre-interview investigation you before they even call you and ask you going to come on. <laughs> anyway, I was talking to them and finally said, you know, you've made a lot of rash statements. I said, that's for damn sure, but not nearly as rash as polygraph operators who lie every time you open the damn mouth. Anyway, so I, one of the statements I made that I took exception to was that things so corrupt, you can call in your test results. You want somebody to be fired, they send you, I'm sending you a liar or a thief over there. And he said, okay, come back. Yeah, they're sure enough lying. And so I said, it can't be that bad. I said, it is that bad. Oh, we get this first guy come in. We were using actual employees at Popular Photography. Everything was set up right there. First guy comes in, we say, nothing more than this. We have a $700 Nikon camera with zoom lens missing. We have five people that have had access to it. We don't know who took it, but we suspect, we suspect James may have. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, he goes in there. Under all three of the people, comes out 100% sure that James sold the camera. Ah, so I tell the producer and everybody, well, that's great. Look what I proved it. She just said, no, that's not good enough. Bring in another one. They can call this an anomaly here. I said, okay, bring in another one. Bring in another one. Same old crap. Goes through his deal. We think Jane may have done it. Sure enough, Jane did it. Third guy comes in, same old BS. Well, we think Ralph may have done it. Sure enough, Ralph did it. Three out of three. Straight up, nobody else came in. Nobody else did right. All three of those suckers were lying. They called truthful, innocent people liars on a crime that never even damn happened. Yeah, on that note, now, what I've you know listened to some interviews with you when researching and things like that, and your primary focus seems to be getting the polygraph taken out of usage in terms of 
pre-screening people for either oh, getting a no, job no, or you are, you are dead. no, 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 you are dead wrong. Oh, okay. My my only goal and it has been and always was from 1979 summer of July. I set about to do one thing, and I am continuing to do it until I succeed or die. I plan to utterly destroy fraudulent polygraph industry and hold those charlatans that practice this evil art up to the contempt and ridicule they so richly deserve. They have literally ruined the lives of millions of people over the years, and they don't give a damn how many people they hurt as long as they can continue to unjustly enrich themselves. So it's got to be done away with, and they've got to be disposed of and ridiculed for having done this for so long. Okay. Now, one thing that will be, you know, pushback sometimes is it doesn't work. Do you know of anything that will work? Any machines or technologies that have been proven to be more effective or possibly effective that you know of? Probably not, but if I did, I wouldn't utter a word. That's the most dangerous thing in the world. This society, as in all societies, lives and dies on whether we are able to slightly deceive one another when necessary. Okay. Well, you've also made some statements before, like, essentially, I think you've said that the polygraph is a, a rubber hose. Exactly what it is. But you replaced the rubber hose. But you, you also you said that some people needed the rubber hose. Well, yeah. Yeah, they do. So, if first thing, if you tell me, if you tell me right now, sir, that you can guarantee me that all use of the polygraph would be discontinued and only allowed in such circumstances and when you're investigating a felony crime, and in those circumstances, only the very strictest of conditions must apply, and you must always have the, your work peer-reviewed. Then I'd say, well, okay, get him in there and scare the shit out of him. Other than that, forget it. Okay, so you're not necessarily, and, and of course it's very selective, um, against a polygraph being used as a prop instead of an actual instrument. Except that in order to use it as a prop, people have to believe it works. And that's what kept this whole damn industry going for so long, because people think it works. You know what? There's an old saying, goes something like, it's a lot easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. And I find that to be very true. That's true. I've actually talked to uh, some hypnotists, and a major factor is that the subject has to believe in hypnot hypnotism. Yep. For it to be super effective. Um, so, let me see. Da, 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 da. What has been the effect of things lately? You've you've gone to prison for it. I did want to ask you about that. Did you deliberately fight in court versus taking a deal to shut up? No. No, they they, they wanted me to shut up. So they offered me some kind of deal. So basically, I think that I think the exact words I used when the first little pre-indictment interview came from the representatives of the Department of Justice Public Integrity Unit. It was, uh, I think it was, fuck off. <laughs> okay, 
a nice round quote. Okay, so they did, I, I was wondering about that, if they might have offered you a deal if you just would go away. So you, no, if I hadn't. If I hadn't, if I hadn't been married at the time, which I am not now, but if I hadn't been married at the time, I would have fought those guys tooth and nail. But you don't know the power of the United States federal government prosecutors. They threatened to find me a million dollars, throw me in prison for a hundred years, yada yada yada. It was unbelievable. I still was fighting. I still went to court. First day of trial, they played their little damn recording. They had me training this guy to beat the test. We go to lunch, and my weasel ass lawyer still looks at me and I'm almost crying. Because I don't know how to offer a defense. <laughs> I said, what? I said, that's a fine time to tell me that. So I had no choice. We have an adversarial process here. And right. if you choose not to fight, then you're fucked. Why do you think, and um, this is a genuine question, why do they fight so hard um, to keep it in place. Is this similar to, as an example, have you noticed that prosecutors don't like felons ha to have a DNA test for whatever reason they keep fighting it? I don't know anything about DNA, nor do I care to know, but the reason they, they're keeping it going, because it's a $4 billion a year interest. They'll do anything they can to keep that going. Where else can a high school dropout make $150,000 a year. But that's that's the people actually conducting the polygraph tests. What about like the uh, law enforcement people, et cetera, who are, you know, fighting you so hard to keep it in place? As I said, they believe it fucking works. Or they know like, like I do that it doesn't, but they also know it's a damn good billy club and they'll scare the shit out of people. Just like Nixon said. Somebody said, ask him about why he was, everybody take polygraph back when he was prez. And, and he says, well, he says, I don't know, but I don't know how the polygraph works. I don't even really know if it works. <laughs> I know it scares the hell out of people, and that's why I like to use it. Okay. So you see it as a more of a manipulation. And that's why everybody in the government likes to use it. And the reason the polygraph operators keep this thing going is because they're getting rich beyond your wildest dreams. You know that in the federal government, they have contracts with polygraph firms for for a pre-employment polygraph test for, for like the uh, Border Patrol. Right. $2,200 $2, a test, and they have a 70% failure rate. So what those guys are doing are failing as many people as they can, so they can keep cranking in that $2,200 a head, see? Yeah, there's a thing called... Have you ever heard of the Cobra effect? Uh-uh. And this sounds something like it. Essentially, in India, they had a problem with cobras, and the British government came up with a bright idea. They said, hey, I'll tell you what. We will give you X dollars for every you know dead cobra that you bring. And that was going to get rid of the cobras. Problem is that the Indians were smart, and they started breeding cobras. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, and it's just, but, then that, but you know my whole situation. In fact, I invite people to listen. If they want to really know about what everybody on your whoop down, Doug, looks like they got you and all that. No, no, no. It's just, I, just like an old, the old man went up to the uh, Sandlot ball game and he looked at the little scoreboard and a bunch of kids playing out there and this little kid was standing next to the fence and he said, man, he says, you guys are t behind 12 to nothing. Man, he said, the little kid looked up and said, that's nothing. That's no problem, sir. But, uh, we just hadn't got up to bat yet. Hmm. Well, 
that that's exactly what's happening with me. They have stomped on me. They've abused their power. They've abused their authority. They've made up shit. Every damn thing they said in that indictment and in that court and during the whole two undercover operations was a lie, complete, start to finish, without any exception. Nothing was the truth. So they whipped me down and lied. They lied and cheated and all that shit to get it done. But okay, they did. They got me. I did my time in prison and all that shit. Now, bear in mind, I did two years in prison. Mm-hmm. And I and shut down still for another six months. For five years, I shut my business down. of training people. So, so in other words, I went to prison, lost what little income I had at the time on Social Security. They stop your Social Security when you go to prison, by the way. And uh, took everything they could get, all my stuff. And all I did, this was absolutely all I did, was teach this sucker how to relax and think of something calming when he answered a relevant question and how to think of something frightening so as to cause a reaction on a control question. And I used a technique that I had stolen from an old uh, Lamaze natural childbirth uh, training tape. And then I faked up a little uh, certified hypnosis a certificate that I made off the internet and printed off on my own printer and put it on a frame. And I went and claimed him, I'm a certified, by God, hypnosis man. And he sat back and relaxed. And, and I'm going to run you through this little you know, hypnosis script so I, I can help you relax when you when you answer those relevant questions. That was the extent <laughs> of my training. Oh, that was the extent of my training. The extent of it. And I went to prison for two years and shut my business down for five just because of that. No, no, not because of that. That's not what this is all about, by God. This is about them trying to stop me uncovering a massive $4 billion a year fraud being perpetrated by the very thugs and charlatans that made up this crime and prosecuted me. Now, everybody wants to find out about what I'm going to do, because it's a working process right now. Go to OperationLiebusters.com. That is the website I just launched. Now I'm telling them, okay, now it's my turn to get up to bat, boys. Let's see what I've got to offer. Have you been speaking with anyone, or has anyone come to you for help or offering help, legal help, things like that? Well, if you just stop and think about who I am, what I've done, and what the fucking government thinks about me, do you think anybody in their right minds jump up and say, man, I want to help you out with this? I think I like prison, too. Is that food pretty good up there? Well, I didn't know if, like, I think you got an award from the ACLU at one point, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I got an award from ACLU, but that's uh, a different ACLU now than it used to be. Okay. Would you mind going over what the actual process of the polygraph is? I know you've done it a thousand times, but it would be great to just break down what is happening. You know, really, I don't have, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the restrictions, believe this or not, on my supervised release is that I am prohibited from becoming involved in any form of polygraph-related activity. And I'm not sure whether we're walking that line a little too close or not. And frankly, I don't want to take the chance because they would love to throw my ass back in there. They were hoping I'd get shivved the first time. It didn't quite happen. But what I, you know, it just, it just, this, this, this is so sick. It's just so sick. It's not even funny. And when you step and think about it, 
how this could even happen in this country. How could I be prohibited from telling you something as simple as relax on the relevant questions and think of something scary on the controlled questions and then don't tell a motherfucker that you know about his scam and everything will be fine. Okay. Uh, if you can't go into detail, can you describe what a relevant relevant no, question is? Do what? Could you describe what a relevant question is versus a control question? No, relevant question, you can get that relevant control. That's the basics of the polygraph, and that is the one of the main underpinnings. And of course, it's fake. So listen to listen to the main basis upon which polygraph testing, when used as a lie detector, is based. Okay, so. We have the relevant questions, and we have the control questions. Now, the relevant questions are obviously those that cover the pointed issue. Why are you there sitting your ass in that chair taking that test? Okay? So, mm -hmm. did you steal that 10 grand? Do you know where that 10 grand is? Right now, could you take me that stolen 10 grand? Did you work for somebody to steal that 10 grand? Those are relevant questions. Then you intersperse what are called control questions. Have you ever deliberately hurt anyone? Have you ever lied to anyone in authority to keep from getting in trouble? Have you lied to your mother? Something like that. Okay, those are just, that's exactly examples, too. And then they run this test, and they run three little charts asking the same questions three times, and they watch for changes in that. Now, if you have a fairly consistent response to the same relevant question regularly on all three of those charts, and you show no response at all to the control questions, you, sir, are deemed a liar. Mm -hmm. If the reverse is true, if the reverse is true, and you cruise through that sucker with no problem on those relevant questions, nice, calm, even waves like you're watching the beach, and then you have a nice reaction on a control question, that person then is deemed to be truthful. The problem with that is twofold. Number one, there are no, there is absolutely no way you can compose a relevant question that has the same emotional impact as a control question, especially when you're dealing with more heinous crimes. Did you rape Susie or uh, as opposed to have you ever deliberately hurt anyone? Right. It's absurd. So, so, you're, so you're mixing apples and oranges from the get-go. Secondly, and this is a proven fact, there is no Pinocchio response. There is no such thing as a reaction that indicates deception. This reaction this, this is simply, like I said, uh, your body getting a shot of adrenaline to deal with a frightful stimulus. So all you see now is your heart begins to race a little faster, your blood pressure increases, your sweat activity on your hands increase, and your breathing becomes erratic. And if you do that on the wrong question, you will be called a liar. It could mean that you've lied. Maybe 50% of the time it does. The other 50% of the time, it could be just embarrassment, maybe asking the question, a pain of the cardio cuff even, uh, sound tone of the examiner's voice. Any number of innocent stimuli can cause the exact same reaction that would brand you as a liar. To say nothing of the fact that when they're asking if you rape Susie, who's the 10-year-old neighbor next door, and you're a 35-year-old man with two kids yourself, and somebody even asks you that question, you said to yourself, this could ruin me, just this accusation alone. Your heart's going to beat fast. You're going to have that same reaction. You're a truthful, honest, innocent person. You're going to show a reaction to that question. I guarantee you. 
this is pro- this may be a, a dumb question, but is there a third type of question? As in, is your name in my case? Is your name Eric? Is today Sunday? It's just, it's just like the same sentence you use for every. It's called your introductory question. <laughs> okay. Okay. So those um, are not are are those factored in at all? I already told you what was factored in. That two bullshit things I just told you is the only damn okay. thing that's ever factored in on any test. You check and see whether you have a reaction on a relevant question or the action on a control question. That's it. Ain't nothing else there to look at. Okay. Now, you've also said that sometimes an examiner may work the environment to their own ends to cause more stress from the person being questioned. Can you describe that? Sometimes they may. Yes, indeed, they may. Hell, the whole damn thing set up like that from the get-go. You bring the subject's chair in there. <laughs> get, them, get it all set up where you want it. Big old chair, big old heavy chair with a big old wide arms on it so they can rest your arms there with all the attachments on them. And you you cut four inches off the bottom of that fucking chair legs. Then you nail that sandwich to the floor. And you get yourself one of those high adjustable roll-around chairs. And when you get deep into the interrogation and they start to sweat and carry on, you leave all that stuff wrapped right on them, man. You get right, roll your chair right around to their chair, and they can't back up to kind of keep their private space. You're right up. I, no, you're, you're needing me, man. You're bad, they smelling your bad breath from three days ago. That's what you call setting the scene. Yes, they do. They may do that occasionally. So this, I guess, is the most troubling part of all. Is the point of the exam to always find a person to be a liar versus to find truthfulness? Now, the point of exams get a confession, just like they taught us in polygraph school. About 2% of the whole damn thing was looking at the chart. They knew it didn't mean shit. Uh, your procedure was run the chart, tear off the paper, and get a confession. Can the poly help you get a confession, even if it's bogus? What? Have you gotten Can false I- confessions? because of the intimidation factor of the polygraph. No, I haven't, but there's a Benny of them sitting in jail of false confessions because of that. Okay. So that's, that would be another concern. I've intimidated people to the point where they confessed or made admissions that were damaging to their uh, employment prospects. Uh, and I used, and, and, and in my opinion, and, and opinion of probably any other uh, unbiased observer was that, I went way too far to achieve such a small fucking goal. And that's something that's you... I scared the shit out of everybody that walked in my office and I did it deliberately and I was very fucking good at it. But the ends failed to justify the means to me after a while. And that is why you've been fighting against the instrument for all this time. I'm not fighting the instrument. I'm fighting the thugs and charlatans that are calling it a lie detector, and they're lying their ass off and hurting people doing it. That's why I'm fighting it. Fucking okay. the instrument ain't got shit to do about it. Okay, so you're fighting the charlatans, I guess I should say. No, I'm fighting the thugs and charlatans that are per- perpetrating a fraud. If it were any other thing, I would be hailed as a hero. But this has some sort of a social uh, shroud around it. That, oh, my God, you can't be teaching people. You know, on that 60 Minutes deal, even. Because I told them also that Hey, I can teach people how to beat this thing real easy. In fact, I can beat it real easy myself. So I kept telling her that. And the third guy comes in and 
she calls it innocent truth of people a liar. So I, I think she, she looks at me and the gay lies, man, she's sharp. Anyway, she looks at me and she says, uh, you say, you, you think you can go and beat that guy? She said, hell yes. I told the stagehand, I said, or the cameraman, I said, get me a, uh, give me that very same camera, that Nikon camera, the zoom lens, put it in my briefcase. And then, uh, I'm going to go in there and I lie about everything, including my name. And you watch. He'll tell me. He'll make, tell me I'm fast. Okay. So, oh, I, hold this on tape. Well, I went in there. Sit down. <laughs> so, and uh, lied about everything. Everything. Every, my name. Everything. And I was sitting right next to the stolen camera. And uh, finished a little test and everything. He looks at Terry's up. Comes back around there and shakes my hand. Says, you're the most honest person I've ever tested. <laughs> then, and then see, then see. I said, "Okay, we're going to buy the balls now." And this went on production. It takes used to take forever to get sixty minutes for this. Anyway, uh, finally came out, and she wrote. She, I think she called me or wrote a letter. I can't remember. Anyway, she said, uh, "Oh, it's a great deal. It's going to be a classic." Blah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we're sorry we can't include that segment of the beating because we couldn't get it past the lawyers. And I guess you've fought that through, um, I don't know what you call your plight lawyers or everybody is afraid to actually go against the industry. Well, uh, when I've come in contact with this, scared the shitless. And I paid you $25,000 not to be. <laughs> wow. So if people want to follow your path, polygraph.com. Oh, wait a minute. Well, I, mean, I, I guarantee you, sir, there is never going to be a set of circumstances that would duplicate mine. So I cannot give advice. If I had any other choice, I promise you, if I had any other choice than to do what I do right now, I would have stopped a long, long, long time ago. Right. But, I mean, if people so get I cannot fun. recommend anybody. You know, go ahead. What, what? I was going to say, so people can, can follow you and, and keep track of your fight. Oh, we all thought you meant follow my example and go on some fucking crusade or something. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Why would anybody want that? <laughs> Sorry. Well, exactly. What in the hell would anybody want? Yeah, you know, every once in a while, I think, I think about the old Jerry Garcia song. What a long, strange trip it's been. Yeah. No, I'm not recommending that. I was just going to f- confirm that people can follow your situation. I, I got a couple of websites. I got polygraph.com, of course, okay. and then... Uh, when I when I was in prison, I met a guy by the name of Jack Straw. He's a hell of a guitar player and one of the best songwriters I've ever heard of. Anyway, he, he went, everybody's wanting to know what you're in for and all that shit. I, I, my story's so weird. I, uh, I had I had previously before I went in wrote, wrote a little book just kind of talking about what I was doing and everything, and so I I had some of those sent to me, and uh, people just. Come by when you, when you meet them, whatever. That was 2,000 guys there. Anyway, we, uh, are you, are you in for, uh, that's a long story. You want to read this? Whatever. Anyway, they'd come back. You know, that's weird. I, I know what I'm in here for. <laughs> I know what I did. But I can't understand how they threw you in prison for what you did. And I said, well, I'm still throwing that out myself. Anyway, one of the guys I gave it to was a guy named Jack Straw. I said, he's a, he was a ex, he was a young, what? Hold on a second. I'm on a podcast. 
I'm sorry. That's all right. Anyway, uh, where was I? Uh, Jack oh, Straw. And he, he, he was big ready to came back to me. That's a hell of a story. But he said, he wrote it like it was a 200 page police report and said, nobody's going to, nobody's going to believe the 200 page police report. And uh, I said, oh, okay, well, and uh, well, nobody's going to read it. And I said, okay. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'm, I've, I've tried, I've written a few things. Let me, let me try my hand. So oh, we didn't have anything else to do. And so he's a, being an ex-detective and all, he, uh, He'd get with me for hours. Tell me about this. Tell me about this. Tell me about this. And, and he took the book to start with. And then we over and over talk about different things. And he brought things to mind that I had forgotten about. Anyway, we wrote this book. And it's titled False Confessions, The True Story of Doug Williams' Crusade Against the Insidious Polygraph Industry. All right. Now we got a website for that. False-confessions.com. Oh, cool. And then... Uh, and then, uh, uh, and of course, you got the uh, Operation Livebusters that I already mentioned. Okay, excellent. I will put all of these in the show notes. So, polygraph.com, false confessions or false dash confessions. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And operationlivebusters.com. Right. And is that what's coming up next for you is uh, getting the book out or do you have any other projects that? Yeah, that's, that's the most immediate thing. And then after that, but of course, uh, we're gonna, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to work on is I've got two or three law firms that are I'm kind of working with on it. Uh, I'm really, I, you know what, just I'm just going to put this out there. You never know who might be listening or whatever. And you know who I'd really like to help me with this? Mm. Is that old gal Sidney Powell from down in Dallas. Now, she's an ass kicker. She knows the government's a lying son of it. Anyway, uh, so what my first priority is then to get that book out. But mainly we're trying to get the the um, uh, litigation going. Because, see, I think I have a pretty good uh, violation of, of, of uh, civil and, and rights under color of law by, by these folks. In other words, they use their authority as federal officers to shut down my business and stop my protesting. And they even said it aloud. That's what they were doing and why they were doing it. So that's not a legitimate predicate to start a job, start an investigation. And secondly, it was an unauthorized investigation. These guys weren't even supposed to be doing this. These guys were in charge of internal security for uh, the Border Patrol. But they're also polygraph examiners, and they thought, well, now that we've got some investigating power and arrest power, we'll get over Doug Williams' ass, okay? Well, they did. But they, they got removed from the job. They had an IG inspector came in and said, you guys are not supposed to be doing this. They had neglected over 100 cases that they should have been investigating and, and just been shot, spent three years trying to screw me. And then, uh, so they, got, they lost their jobs over it. But then they went, not only government people don't ever lose their jobs. These folks went back up to D.C. to some office somewhere, and that gave them time to lobby for the, for the DOJ to come after me again, which they did. But it's all bullshit, man. So anyway, we tell all about that. It's just a, so I've got the litigation trying. Once I get figured out which law firm, I'd sure like to go with Sydney Fallenball. Because she's a chipper. What so is I'll the name again? I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. Uh, Sydney Powell. She's a, a, a attorney from Dallas, Texas. Very, very good attorney. Anyway, uh, I doubt she'd talk to me about this right now. But anyway, the third thing we got going is this 
we're trying to get some, the, the, and I have been quite some time, trying to get the legislation changed. Uh, I spent a lot of time working on that Employee Polygraph Protection Act back in 85, 84, 85. And finally, it was passed in law, and I believe it was, it was in 86. Maybe it was 88. Anyway, but the only way we could get it passed, I, I helped write this legislation. Anyway, we, we had to, we had to I put a sentence in there uh, exempting all federal uh, polygraph tests of, or your government use of any kind. They can use it anytime they want to because that one sentence. What I wanted and what I set out to do in the beginning was I wanted them to say, okay, well, if you're going to use these, please be responsible about it, you know, and uh, try to try to have some at least some guidelines. They've just run a cowboy. And so we got it close enough. And I had this whole list of things on the second, still on there on section, uh, second section of that. Anyway, but they just uh, limited who it was affected for. But so they come along with this one sentence. All I'm trying to do is to get that one sentence that's totally exempting, blanket exemption, into saying, okay, if you're running on these tests, then you got to do it right. You got to keep records. You've got to have peer review. You've got to have conditions under which the test can and cannot be administered. And I'll leave a whole long list of things, which are very reasonable expectations for anyone who's a professional, which they are not. But they had that one sentence. So I'm trying to get that one sentence removed. And then what I'll effectively do is put that other section into effect, which will then make it virtually impossible for them to use the thing anywhere near like they're using it now. Right, and it especially um, stopped them using it for employment pre-screening or continuing employment, oh, things like that. Making un- unreasonable decisions based on it. I mean, that's the, that's the, you you pass you took a polygraph test when you go for a government job. Not only do you not get that job, they put your damn name on a blacklist, and you can't ever apply for a fucking job again with the government. Yeah, that makes sense. I. I'm I'm guessing, and that's why I was asking earlier that like Christopher Watts, um, who murdered his family, essentially was he confessed when he was you know hooked up and being interrogated with a polygraph. That's not to me as offensive as preventing people from getting employment. I don't, I don't follow your point. Uh, Christopher Watts, he was a the guy in Colorado who murdered his wife and two daughters. He confessed while he was hooked up to a polygraph. Yeah. And I'm guessing, you know, from what you've said and everything else, if that is conducted in a good manner, it's not nearly as offensive being used in that very controlled manner versus preventing people from getting employment. I don't care what they do to wife killers. I said anybody that's investigating a felony crime, as far as I'm concerned, has caught blanche to do whatever the hell they want to do. But you, you understand anybody that takes a test in the first place is a fool. Why would you put yourself in the hands of a trained interrogator to interrogate you as long as he wants you without benefit of counsel? It makes absolutely no sense to me. Why people kept doing it with me beyond me? Hell, I'd have walked out the first five minutes I started talking because of myself. True, and thank God a lot of killers are stupid. Well, that, that all, they only catch the stupid ones, man. <laughs> Well, I definitely 
wish you luck with your plight. I, I hope that you can get... Luck, luck, luck ain't going to get it, man. I got lots more luck, and I don't need no damn luck. Okay. I am telling, I am telling you the straight-out truth. I am on a mission for God. I am, I am doing my dead-level best to stop the, the oppression of literally millions of people at the hands of charlatans who are perpetrating an evil fraud. And God has imbued me with power from on high, and I guarantee you I'm going to do just that. I'm 74 years old, and I feel like I'm 30. I'm going to kick their ass, buddy. Well, I, w I wish you well, then. There Which you is. go. <laughs> and, hey, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for the opportunity to tell my story.